Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to Stand Out, Get Noticed. I'm Christina Cantor's speaker, coach, and founder of The C Method, where I help high-performing professionals and business leaders to build powerful communication skills. If you want to learn more, go to thecmethod.com. Now, each week on the podcast, we address a different topic to help you build a success mindset, present yourself with confidence, build strong relationships, and be an all-round better human. If you haven't yet already, join our community over on Facebook, search for the group The C-Method Rockstars, or go to thecmethod.com slash community. We cannot wait to connect with you. Now, something that I'm really excited about that I'm working on at the moment that I wanted to share with you is the online group coaching program for women, which kicked off yesterday. We have a group of five incredible women from all over the world who are coming together to develop alongside each other in their confidence at work and their communication skills and speaking skills as well to help them have an overall bigger impact in the workplace. So I'm really excited about that. If you missed out on this round, that is okay. You can still apply at thecmethod.com slash group coaching, and I'll keep you informed of when the next round starts in the new year. Okay, let's get to this week's episode. Do you struggle to project your voice? Or do others need to strain to hear you when you speak? I've met people who speak, you know, really softly and they don't, they don't want to project. And I ask them if they really want to share what they want to share. And they say, yeah, I do. And I say, well, if you really want to share it, then, you know, why are you not saying it so that everyone can hear? And I have a lot of people say to me, well, I'm afraid that I'm going to make a mistake. And if I speak quietly, then, and if I make a mistake, then no one's going to hear me. I felt the exact same way when I went busking for the first time. Um, that's street performing. Um, we use the term busking in, um, in Australia. And I took my ukulele and I went to the quietest lane way I could find. And I didn't take an amplifier because I thought to myself, well, if I make a mistake, then at least it'll be made very quietly and it's not going to be projected across the whole street. You know, it's just going to be me in my little bubble here. So that was my little safety blanket. Now, this can be a problem when we do want to have our message get out there. We do want to have our ideas recognized, but when we don't believe in the um, the importance of our own message and we don't believe in the value of our own voice, it can hold us back from projecting ourselves and putting ourselves out there. You may tell yourself the story of, oh, I'm just a quiet person, but really a lot of it is due to mindset. And that is why I am so excited to be resharing this inspiring conversation I had with the wonderful vocal coach, YouTuber, and author, Kimberly Smith. No matter who you are, she's here to convince you that yes, your voice deserves to be heard. Now, Kim says that many students come to her with the belief that their voice isn't good enough, and she helps them to make amazing changes to how they sound, um, helps them to overcome their fears, discover their unique voice, and unleash their full potential. Kim is also the author of The Moderately Tortured Artist, which she describes as a permission slip for musicians to put themselves out there and start making epic, wholehearted music. 
Now, what I love about Kim is that she feels the fear and does it anyway. She shares stories about how she freaked out when she got her first thumbs down on YouTube and how she can't bear to look at her book's Amazon uh, review page. But she continues to push forward. She takes the criticism in her stride and she continues on her mission to change the world for the better. So Kim and I talk about how to put yourself out there, um, put your voice out there, opening yourself up to criticism. Uh, We talk about vocal projection and how to do it if you want to speak with more confidence and authority. I really enjoyed this conversation with Kim. In fact, you can hear me getting really excited, so much so that I almost break the microphone. So I'm sorry about that. Um, But there was so much amazing content in here and I absolutely loved her stories. So I'm confident that you will enjoy it too. So please welcome the wonderful Kimberly Smith. How how long ago did you start creating videos? That's a really good question. I want to say like between four and five years ago, probably. Like it was still relatively new. There was you mm. know, a few people doing it, but I think because I was also younger, I was, um, you know, pretty fresh onto the bandwagon of it. Um, but yeah, it was mostly through YouTube, which already had a huge audience there. Mm. So it just kind of made sense to um, start teaching it. And I like doing things where, you know, people can kind of see me and I can receive comments and kind of have that interactive um, level to it. So yeah, it, it was awesome. I mean, it was terrifying. Like every, I think every month I kind of get this feeling of, I want to take everything that I've ever done down and just hide from the world. <laughs> and, you, and you push through it and you go, no, 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 this is, you know, it's really valuable. And I do this for a reason, but there is still that, you know, imposter syndrome that comes in or the fear of getting the negative comments and that sort of thing. It's yeah, it's always there. I think, I don't know how you feel about it, but it's always just under underneath for me. <laughs> Take me through that very first video that you created and published. Yeah, well, I actually did a series of eight videos um, and I did them professionally because I always go and spend way too much money first and then go, oh, I should have started small and then grown and done it that way. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I had like a semi-professional um, sort of crew come in and do it and it was about breathing. So it was the first part of um, singing and I wanted to do this eight-part series on beginner's technique um but yeah it was very wooden like I had like pretty much had a script and um I was sitting at my keyboard and it was all kind of you know I had a um an intro song and like intro montage and very trying to be polished I think you know I'd seen Mm. other people's and I was like I need to replicate that to be taken seriously whereas now I'm much more about this is me like here I am and it's much more authentic and I can do it just in one take like a conversation or um yeah so so it's it's evolved a lot from that stage. So no more intro music. No, I mean I still I still have the intro music. I just don't use it because the other thing is that it took like I don't know eleven seconds, and a lot of people don't watch no for eleven seconds even. So you've kind of lost them if you don't get straight into the content. So it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy. Less so. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> mm. So going going back to those um you know those negative comments. You are, cause I remember we've had this discussion before mm. about how like you receive so many positive comments. Yeah. Cause that like, what's the sort of average view for your, like for your, one of your videos? Oh, well, as I said, like I've taken some down and kind of started again. So, um, oh yeah, that's a good question. I feel like like one of the most popular ones is kind of like 2000, mm. um, views maybe. Um, so yeah, there's, there's enough eyes on it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I remember the first time that I put videos up and I got my first thumbs down. 
on YouTube. <gasps> and you're like, bum, dun, dun, dun. Bum. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're just horrified. And it, and it really, like, it took a huge blow to my ego. And it wasn't even a comment. So I had no n- knowledge of why this person didn't like it. They could have just not liked my face. You know what I mean? Like something that I couldn't even do anything about. Maybe not your intro music. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> music they just didn't even watch the rest of it um but yeah I get so many more positive comments like I could probably count the negative comments I've had on one hand and um yet yet still there is that fear you're just like there's gonna be another one and I've got to prepare for it and yeah it's it's always just lingering um but you can't stop yourself from making stuff because of that because yeah there's so many more positive comments and so many more um lives that you can affect if you're out there doing your thing and this has now led you to writing a book. Yes. <laughs> which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. What's it called? The Moderately Tortured Artist. Moderately Tortured Artist. I love it. Can you give us a brief synopsis of the book or the, of the theme? Yeah. So it's a, uh, a book primarily for musicians um, and it talks about kind of the emotional and mental challenges that they go through. So it tackles things like perfectionism, um, fear of almost all kinds, stage fright, um, and confidence, um, losing your passion as well, um, motivation, practice, sort of, yeah, it's wanting to touch on all of those little facets of what makes you a musician because there are so many musicians that either give up because it's too hard or somebody's told them they can't do it or they lose the joy in it because they're striving and hustling so much and not getting anywhere. And so I just wanted to write something. It's, it's, I've called it like in the um, tagline like a permission slip mm. um, for you to make epic wholehearted music <laughs> because people need permission like yeah. they don't give it to themselves to fail to make mistakes to experiment with things and so yeah I just wanted to be like hey we're all moderately tortured and um, this happens to everyone here's a few things that you can kind of do about it and change the way that you think about it mm, love it was there a particular story of a particular musician that sort of was the catalyst for for this book yeah um so there's there's probably quite a few actually um so I would say that the majority of beginner singers that come trembling into my studio and they're like, I want to, I want to learn to sing, but I'm terrible. Um, and it's because they've got a story. So somebody has told them that they can't sing. So whether it's a, a choir teacher telling them to mime when they were like seven years old, or it's an older brother or a parent that says, you sound like a dying cat. And they take that on board and they, they live that for years and years and years until they get the courage to kind of go, actually, I don't believe that's a truth. Like, can I do something about this? because singing is like any other skill you can learn to do it better. I mean, the amount of people that are tone deaf in the world is minuscule. And yet, like I would say 50% of people believe that they're legitimately tone deaf. But um, yeah, there's a lot of stories like that. And one of the the biggest ones that kind of impacted me was at university. And I had um, classmates and one of my classmates was doing his second year of his degree. And his teacher said to him, I don't think that you're going to pass. I think that you should drop out right now. And what devastated me is that he had a brilliant musical theatre voice, but we were doing a classical like operatic degree. And so if she'd only just told him, I think that you should switch to doing something in musical theatre, which Mm. your voice is better suited to, he may not have completely given up on singing. So that made me really angry. (laughs) So these people who come to you who've had years of being tortured, right, by – you know, by by thoughts and projections that other people have on them about their singing voice, why is it exactly that they come 
to you? Is it because they actually want to become a great singer or is it because they want to deal with this thing that's happened in their past or like what is the actual motivating factor behind them wanting to improve their singing? Yeah, it's I would say 90% confidence. And doing something that, you know, they firmly believe they could never do. And that's why it's so powerful. So a lot of, I get a lot of beginners and I think it's because I talk about all this kind of like emotional baggage that people have, um, which a a lot of teachers don't. They just talk about kind of the learning, the physical aspects of it. And I think that that's tricky because the way that you feel about things definitely impacts the way that you're going to um, feel physically, particularly if, you know, you've got people that are on stage trying to speak. The first thing that goes is your breathing. like you get you get shallow breaths, you get panicked, you get sweats, like all of that sort of stuff if you're really nervous. Um, so, yeah, I get people that have come in and, and it's not about being a great singer. Like I have people that want to learn to sing one song, you know, and it's funny because they learn that one song and then they keep going because they're kind of addicted to yeah. it and they've, they've proved themselves and whoever told them they can't sing wrong and they get the joy out of it and there's the endorphins and things like that. But it's generally, it's just, it's something that's been on their bucket list and they're just desperate to do something that's slightly out of their comfort zone um, to boost their confidence. It's really cool. And do they actually go on to sing in front of other people or is it more for themselves? Yeah, well, I would say that most of them do. I organize karaoke nights where um, instead, oh, cool. of, instead of having the awkward, I used to have um, concerts where my singing teacher would make everybody perform in front of parents and family and it was all very structured and I was terrified and I hated them. So I swore I would never do that. But we just go out because um, I teach mostly adults to karaoke, have a glass or two of wine and everybody is in the same boat, you know, um, some them are a little bit more advanced, but they've all been there. And so they understand how nerve wracking it is. And it's a much more supportive environment singing in front of other singers that understand that than say potentially your friends. But that's a really good intro into, you know, performing or or getting out and and singing in front of other people. So a lot of them think that they're never going to do that, but actually eventually they do. And um, yeah, that's, that's what's really exciting when they start to come up with ideas like, oh, I actually want to sing in front of my grandma for a birthday or something. You're like, that's amazing that you came in here and you were terrified. And now look at, look at what you've, um, yeah, achieved. Yeah. That's so cool. I mean, I I never thought that I would go out and sing in public, like when I went busking, you know, and, and I did that. And that was, I never thought I'd be, I'd sing in that sort of public forum, but I never thought it would actually, I never considered it could actually be in that capacity. Yeah. You know, just me with a little guitar. (laughs) It really is. Just me with a little guitar, you know, it wasn't even that bigger deal I suppose but well, at the time funny. it was a huge deal yeah one of my students texted me this morning and he um sang backing vocals in a band he's a drummer and so he's just starting to learn to sing and he said it was such a huge deal I was so stressed about it and then I did it and I was actually kind of almost underwhelmed because I was like was that it is that all I had to do <laughs> like he made it this huge deal and yeah. once you've done it you're like that actually wasn't that hard even if you have made a mistake you're like i bloody well got up there and did it like that's what you're proud of and that's what you'd actually be much more um regretful of is if you don't take that step and you don't make that courageous move is oh i didn't even try so when i went when i went busking i didn't take an amplifier or anything i was just i just went back to basics i went real simple and i took the ukulele down to this little laneway and as I was playing and singing, I realized that my ukulele was very quiet, right, because I didn't have an amp. And 
I was okay with that because it meant that if I made any mistakes, you wouldn't be able to hear them (laughs) as loudly. So I felt way more comfortable playing very softly. And thinking about actually taking an amp and going out to Swanston Street, which is a much larger thoroughfare to play, is is a hundred times more scary because essentially I'm going to be amplified. And I was thinking about this the other day and it reminded me of or thought I thought maybe there is some similarity there <clears throat> between with people who feel a little bit afraid to actually project their voices yeah. out there in a loud way because I, I work with people and they a lot of them speak very, very quietly and, uh, and you know, and um, then they asked me to help them speak with authority. But the thing is you can't really speak with authority, you can't speak with confidence and really lead people if you can't actually project and have everyone listen to you. Yeah. So I'd love to talk to you about that and hear your thoughts on, you know, how can someone start to firstly with, with the mind and yeah. then with the physical, yeah. you know, to be able to really like literally get their voice out. Mm. And this is like one of the first things that I think I was really interested in Mm. um, in terms of the whole mindset and how that impacts the physicality of it. Because if you don't want to be heard, you will not project. So you actually don't use your energy in a way that can help you project your voice because you're terrified and you're like, the quieter I am, the less people are going to hear me and that's safe. Mm. So you've got to get people to a level where they feel more confident about themselves before they're willing to go, okay, I'm going to put myself out there. And the question that I always ask my students is how all in are you? Like, are you all in? And they're always like, nope. I'm like, 30% 30% in. Imagine <laughs> if you were all in, like you're saying that it's not very loud or it's not very strong. Um, and then asking yourself that question is it really obvious that you're dipping your toe in the water. So I think part of speaking with authority is believing that you have the right to be there and the right to talk about whatever it is. And if you don't feel that, if you've got that kind of imposter syndrome and you're feeling like a bit of a fraud, what is it that you need to brush up on to speak with more confidence? Is there an element that you're like, I actually don't really know what I'm talking about here? (laughs) I mean, we've all had that. We've kind of skirted around it. But can you spend an hour kind of researching that so that you can speak with authority on that topic? Or often it's like a questions, you know, you're worried about what questions are going to come. And so that's, you know, preparation, I think is really, really big on that. Um, but the physical is generally a lot to do with breathing. Um, so a lot of the time people breathe shallowly into the chest, whereas you want to take a deeper breath so that the ribs expand um, and even expanding kind of into the back as well. So that's the first thing is to to really understand that if you're taking that shallow breath, you're leading the voice from the throat. You're not leading it from the body. And um, it's sort of visual that I give people is that you want to feel like, um, I don't know if anybody is in my generation here, but like Care Bears from the 80s, which have been like, again, there's like new Care Bears now, but they shine this massive light from their stomachs. Yeah. And so that's what I say (laughs) about the voice. I'm like, you want to feel like your voice is actually coming from your torso. Um, And the way that we do that in singing is we lower the breath, but we also control the exhale. So you're not smashing the tiny little vocal cords with a lot of air. So people Mm. tend to push the air because they think that's what's going to project, but actually you want to control the amount of air um, so that you have the, the vocal cords working very efficiently. Um, so yeah, you want to- Can you hear that difference if you're pushing air out and like, can you demonstrate that difference to us? Oh gosh. Well, it, I mean, it, it becomes really breathy. 
So you can kind of put, you're pushing in the air, but you're, you've got this kind of like harsh sound because okay. the, the chords are trying to stay together for you, mm. but you're having to work really, really hard. So you're getting a lot of air. It's very patchy. Um, and it's kind of, yeah, like a harsh, aggressive kind of sound. Um, you can also get a lot, a lot of husk around it rather than the clarity. Um, but yeah, we, we tend to try and use more air when we're projecting because that's just what we, we um, assume is is going to help us project. So with with the the support of the breath, what we do is we breathe low, and then you actually try to keep your ribs out um, in singing so that they don't collapse and they're tied into the diaphragm. So the diaphragm, the mm. breathing muscle, is not pushing quite so much air out. You're actually controlling that, and you're using um, some of the muscles in there to keep that diaphragm lower. Yeah, getting into the you know boring physiology part <laughs> a little bit. No, but that's all helpful. Hmm. That's all helpful. The other thing is that people don't open their mouths. <laughs> right. It seems, it seems really obvious if you're a confident public speaker, but a lot of the time, you know, I'll get people to put two fingers in their mouth. So it sort of looks like a gun. All right. Like you put, like you put any, like, so Kim's putting you like a gun, her gun fingers in yes, her mouth right so you've now. Yeah, she's got the, the uh-huh. index and the middle finger uh-huh. 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 Yeah, stacked on top of each other. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that's about where you kind of want to have your mouth open for singing. When you're singing. Yeah. And people don't. They're horrified. Like they would ha- they well, would that have, is quite wide. Yeah, they would have one finger. And you can have the little ones, the two little ones, if that's more comfortable. <laughs> but, yeah, you're like, oh, that's actually really wide. And we don't do that when we talk because it would feel really weird. That would feel really bad. <laughs> but if you don't do that when you sing, you're keeping a lot of the sound inside your mouth. Mm. So you're hearing a lot more of it, um, but the audience isn't. And Often I'll get people to um, cup their hands around their ears with their elbows straight in front of them because they can actually hear their voice a lot better Okay. because we can't hear our own voices. We can only feel like the bone um, conduction and the vibrations in our own head. And so we sometimes assume that we're a lot louder than we are, but most of your sound is going outwards ideally. Um, so yeah, we kind of need to get a little bit of a grip on that as well. You don't want to be keeping the sound inside so that you can hear it better. You want to be projecting it outside so that they can hear it better with singers they're, they're like oh my gosh my voice is actually better than I thought it was because they're losing so much of the fullness of their voice outwards so that they're only hearing the tiny little little vibrations is that why sometimes you feel like you sound better in a sort of smaller room when it's yes. a bit echoey yeah, or in the bathroom acoustic. you're like oh I sound <laughs> I sound nice exactly I should record yeah. it here it's the acoustics exactly mm. yeah so they're getting more feedback of what they actually feel like bouncing off the walls um, than yeah if you're in a, a big room that's kind of dead space Space that you can't um, get that feedback. So the the book is not so much about the technique and all of that. It's no. more about the 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 mindset shifts you need to make mm, as an yeah. artist what's the response been so far it's been really really positive like um I said I was talking to you and I was th- said I think I need to kind of hide the Amazon review page from my vision so that I, it's the same thing it's that same you know fear of um negative comments but it's been so nice and a lot of them have just been sort of personal emails where I get to hear people's stories and kind of where they were at with their voice and now where they're going to take it. And it's really cool because, yeah, some of it is sharing my own failures and my own fears and insecurities and some of them are um, friends of mine or students of mine that have had um, stories that I just think people can relate to and it's that human experience that that reminds us like, okay, we're not alone. Like we can actually, you know, if she can do it, I can do it kind of kind of thing. So yeah, there's a lot of things that I definitely am still struggling with and are very open about that. But yeah, people have kind of taken that on as 
just able to, I guess, own their humanity a little bit more and own that, yeah, you're going to fall, but you've got to get back up again. Like it's all in the getting back up again and remembering that this is supposed to be a passion of yours. And I think that when we take something too seriously, a lot of the play and a lot of the joy gets sucked out of it. And so it's always sort of coming back to this is supposed to be for enjoyment. It's supposed mm-hmm. to make you happy and you've got to make changes around that to enable, yeah, that that fire to still be in you at the end of the day. Do you, in the book, help people deal with negative comments? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I actually have a story in the book about mm. I did a Periscope. I, I assume that some people will know what Periscope yeah. is. It's yeah, like um, so it's live video. And the thing with Periscope is that um, it wasn't just my tribe. So it was a lot of random people on it that I had no idea about and had just followed the hashtag or like whatever it is. And so I was singing on it, um, and I was singing an Adele song, and I thought it was going pretty well actually. And um, I couldn't see the comments that were popping up because I'm blind, and I was performing, so I was a little bit further back from. You're not my literally phone. blind. No, no, no. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just can't see very well and I wasn't wearing my glasses. So, um, yeah, so I was like, oh, this is going well. And there's like hearts popping up and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And <laughs> then, um, I finished the broadcast and my best friend called me and she's like, are you okay? And I said, yeah, like, why? What? And she's like, you didn't see the comments. <laughs> so Periscope actually had a thing called Catch that you could link with it that would record your Periscope. So I went back and watched it mm. and there were all these people, yeah, having a real go, just being like, you sound horrible, turn it off, like, oh my God. what are you doing? And, yeah, I'd never – I mean, I've, I've been very lucky, and, again, I talk about this in the book, that I have had very little negativity about my singing voice um, mm. and I feel very lucky um, to have – you know, had that, but, um, yeah, there was, there was a lot of hate and I got really angry at first and really upset. And then I went to a kickboxing class and I just punched the crap you out go of girls. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, you know, it's not about me. And that's, that's the biggest thing that, that I kind of think about. And I also love the Brene Brown quote, which is, you know, something about if, if they're not in the arena getting their ass kicked, I don't want their feedback. Like they're not putting their voices out there. They're mm. not doing anything brave. They're, they're trolling um, behind, you know, very anonymous, um, often with no photo or, or real name um, usernames. So, yeah, I think just rem- reminding yourself when you do get negative feedback, you know, is it from somebody that's in the arena? Are they doing what you're doing? Are they being brave or are they hiding? And are they playing small and just um, having a bit of a go at you? Um, and then it's, it's really about you, you need to be brave. You need to be proud of how courageous you were to do it in the first place. Mm. And, yeah, I think if you're going to take on any constructive criticism, you've still got to ask, is it, you know, is it from a person that I really kind of respect their opinion? And is it is it something I can, I, I can take on board and it will make my art better? Yeah. But it's hard. It's always hard. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and allow yourself to feel crap about it, I think, you know. You just 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 dwell in it for a little while and then and then go, what am I gonna do about this? Mm. Yeah. I think it's healthy to acknowledge these negative emotions when they come in yeah. and to not try and squash them or push them away and go, Okay, I feel crap right now. Yeah. I feel sad right now, I feel frustrated right now. But I'm just gonna let that sit with me for a little bit. Exactly. And then when I'm ready to leave it behind, 
It's if it's, you don't, you usually ignore it, and then you don't keep moving forward. Mm. So you actually don't get up again. You're just like, oh, okay, I don't care what that person thinks, but I'm just going to spend the next nine months not doing anything like that, you know, again, until you kind of miss it. Um, but I think if you can process it and and think about like the comments and whether or not you're going to take them on board and who said them and whether or not it actually matters to you and changes anything about the way you feel about it, um, then you can get up quicker and you can be like, right, next one. Like always on to the next one. <laughs> So this is all really exciting for you, you know, with your book, YouTube channel still going really, really strong. What's next for you, Kim? Um, well, I'm actually wanting to kind of branch out and speak more to artists. So actually I've started a page that is linked to the Moderately Tortured Artist um, book, but I want to speak to photographers and to painters and sculptors and, um, you know, outside of music, designers, um, because I think that it, everything that I talk about in the book can apply to them. And I, I think that, you know, they need to be inspired and they need to be, um, I guess, motivated because the, the problem with being creative is that you do deal with a lot of these things on a, on a much bigger scale because you're creating something that is very personal. Um, it can be received positively or negatively. There's no right or wrong answers, um, but people always have opinions about it. So yeah, I'm just wanting to, I'm, I'm thinking about putting together an artist boot camp um, program to, oh, cool. to kick off in the new year, which is just making sure that you're always doing something that's um, moving you forward. Because the other thing is, you know, asking yourself the question of, who am I willing to become to create the kind of stuff that I want to create? And I don't think that most of us are willing to ask that question. And I know it's really uncomfortable for me, but are you doing something that is moving you forward all the time? Are you, you know, are you going to bed and hitting the hay and going, yeah, I made myself proud today. Um, and it can be in any sense. It can be in a corporate sense. It can be in an artistic sense, but, um, yeah, I'm tackling it from the, the art side because I think there's never too much art in the world. And I'm just really wanting to encourage people to have something to say and, um, get it out of them. Because once you've, you've kind of kept it to yourself, there's all that regret for, for not doing stuff. So yeah, just, um, wanting to, to be a cheerleader. <laughs> That's kind of my role. <laughs> awesome. Saving one tortured artist at a time. I hope so. Or yeah. I should say moderately tortured Moder artist yeah, at a time. Moderately tortured, yeah. And just giving them permission to really go for it. Um, because we, we question so much. And as I said, it's in, in all senses, you know, you don't, you don't ask to, um, you know, get that raise. You don't ask to go on that project. You don't ask to speak at something. Um, and so, we really need to ask ourselves, like, would I be prouder if I asked and don't get it or just don't ask? Um, so you're giving yourself permission to really go all in, as I was saying earlier. So good. So if people want to learn more about your work and check out your book, where should they go? Yeah. So I'm over at inspiredtosing.com. Um, and also the book has its own website, which is moderatelytorturedartist.com. And there's a free email course, which actually takes you through snippets of the book and some exercises that deal with um, different elements that it talks about. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kim. Thank you. <laughs> Another big thank you to Kimberly Smith for joining me on the podcast and being so gracious and letting me reshare that conversation. You can find out more about Kim at inspiredtosing.com or check out the show notes at thecmethod.com slash 184. Um, all of those links are in the description of your podcast app. Now, talking about putting yourself out there, I just want to share a um, a message that I got from a podcast listener. I won't share her name because I want to keep her 
um, anonymous, but she wrote to me and said, Hi, Christina, I've just successfully completed my first board presentation after being recently promoted to assistant director. I just want to thank you personally, as it was your podcast number 101 on delivery of public speaking that got me there. I now feel like a different person. Now, it was so wonderful receiving this note from this podcast listener, and I just want to say to them, uh, if you're listening, um, you know, a big congratulations congratulations to you and well done on putting yourself out there. And the fact that you say you now feel like a different person, that's incredible. And I hope that you can take this new confidence and these new skills that you've gained from the experience and take them into further speaking experiences and letting and letting your, your comfort bubble continue to expand and grow. So well done. If you also have a story like this that you would love to share or perhaps a question you would like to ask of other podcast listeners, then do come on over and join our Facebook community. We're at The C Method Rockstars, that's the name of the group, or go to thecmethod.com slash community and join there. We cannot wait to connect with you. All right, and that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Keep on being awesome and I will talk to you next week. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. <laughs>